Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is the Arena Sports Network Sunday Inspiration, live from Door Village United Methodist Church in LaPorte, Indiana. God of wonder, you have set us out upon the most amazing journey. A trip through worlds undreamed of only a few generations ago. A journey along which we are privileged to meet up with friends and companions from all over your creation. To learn the glory of your creation and to share your kindness with our fellow travelers along your way. You have bestowed upon us something of your own inventive powers so that we can explore creation. From the outer world of the cosmos to the inner world of the atom. You have given us understanding and imagination through which we can develop and mature. You have given us humor so that we can find mirth in this world around us and delight in one another's company. Having given us all of that, you set us in the world and give us a real chance to make something of it, of ourselves and the human community. We praise you, for we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We cannot see the ending of this adventure, but we know that it is your love upholding us step by step. We all falter and fail, but then you graciously help us rise again. Just as you will when this earthly adventure of ours is finally ended. When we fall one last time. And in the midst of all that we see around us, that leaves us in wonder and awe, we know that we can still come to you with every need that lays heavy on our hearts for ourselves, for our loved ones, for those we come into contact with each day. For those needs, be they physical, emotional, or spiritual. For those trials that can tear us to our cores. As we come in awe and wonder, we also come and lay these things at your feet and pray that you work in them so that you may work, work through them for your glory and the redemption of your world. Continue once again, O oh God, to be with us along this journey, the joyful times the sorrowful times. 
lead us on in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The scripture reading for today comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now in your bulletin it says verse 7, uh, but I'm going to read verses 6 and 7. And understanding that these two verses come from a broader context, uh, having to do with how our faith is passed down from one generation to the next. Historically speaking, in the context, that was how information in general was passed down. It was passed down orally and from generation to generation. Our information is stored online, thank you, Google. And so we, we don't have, I guess, an appreciation for the, the connection and how the, the connection between the generations and how we learn things and pass things uh, down. But this is a bit of a reminder from Deuteronomy chapter 6. These words that I am commanding you today must always be on your minds. Recite them to your children. Talk about them when you are sitting around your house and when you are out and about, when you are lying down, and when you are getting up. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Is anyone here familiar with the work of American humorist Irma Bombeck? Oh, there are a couple. Okay. Well, this one isn't so much a bit of her humor as it is, I guess, significant for what we're talking about today. She's talking about the thoughts of a little boy as they relate to school, and I thought that since all the kids here have pretty much... Has everyone here started school already? Uh, what about our Michigan City folks? Have we started school in Michigan City yet? Okay, not quite yet. But, uh, but anyway, as we're in back-to-school season, this is particularly... Uh, telling or helpful or informational. My name is Donald, and I don't know anything. I have new underwear, a loose tooth, and I didn't sleep last night because I'm worried. What if a bell rings and a man yells, where do you belong, and I don't know where I belong? What if the trays in the cafeteria are too tall for me to reach? What if my loose tooth comes out when we have our heads down and are supposed to be quiet? Am I supposed to bleed quietly at my desk? What if I splash water on my name tag and my name disappears and no one will know who I am? As, as I guess, may, maybe that's not too extreme an, ex, an example, but, but as, as extreme an example as that may be for some of us to understand, it's not all that crazy. I know for certain we had at least a few uh, youth in this uh, uh, with us this morning that were starting middle school for the first time this year, and I, starting sixth grade, was just absolutely terrified. And I'm sure we we all have this, right? Whenever we we start a new school, whenever we 
make the transition from one school to another. You know, the beginnings of middle school and high school, I mean, not only do we have the social pitfalls that we have to worry about, that we can stay up nights worrying about, but there's just the fact that this is a new thing, and I'm going to have to be expanded and tested in ways that I've never been expanded and tested before. These are things that... Uh, that, that, that aren't foreign to us. We can understand the, the trepidation, the sort of anxiousness that, that accompanies beginning a, uh, a, new, a new sort of phase, or beginning a new school year. And uh, I thought since we were starting uh, school and, and that we're, we're in this whole back-to-school season, we should, we should talk a little bit about teaching, or in particular, the, the title of the sermon this morning is Teach Your Children Well. Now, some of you already know uh, where I pulled the title from. How many people know where I pulled the title from? They're not as many as I thought. That's, that's pretty insane, but there's, uh, I thought it would be a little more widely known, but uh, this is the title of a song by Crosby, Stills, and Nash, Teach Your Children Well. Now, this was, then this was before Young came along, so Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. I never got, that was... Anyway, this is a song from the 70s, and quite honestly, the lyrics escaped me. Because for me, personally, I, I do deep theological thinking in my, in my studies throughout the week when I'm preparing for a sermon. I can, I can work through that stuff, but when it comes to looking at lyrics to songs or uh, poetry and trying to call the deeper meaning from those, I just, I absolutely stink. And the, the words to this song, they talk about uh, hell, hell children face and, and hell adults face, and it's just, I, I never, the, the words never really, uh, they never really meant anything to me very important. It was, I wasn't able to connect with them on a personal level, and this is nothing new to me. When I was attending Ball State University, I was in the, I was a history major, and one of the classes I took was a 200-level uh, history course on sports history, taught by just the, the oldest man in the, uh, in, in the department. I mean, this guy was uh, just, he was ready to go, but this was the one class that he really got excited for before he was ready to retire to Florida. And we covered everything from, like, the Olympics, but not not modern-day Olympics, like Greek-era Olympics. And we, we talked about all these sort of things, and, and we, were, we were getting to how, uh, I guess, war in the 20th century uh, and, and, and sport and how those things sort of uh, melded together. And he was talking about this poem uh, written about Ted Williams. And uh, Ted, in this poem, Ted Williams was in Paris leaning against the Eiffel Tower, and his, his bat was, was somehow impotent, and, and there was fear. And stuff. I didn't really get what was going on. The, the, and I tried to find that poem this week. Could not find it at all. It's so obscure. But, uh, but Ted Williams, is, is, it's not a, a nice poem to understand. And, and we're talking about it in class. Nobody gets it. But there's one person over in the corner of the class that says, yeah, he's, he's upset about his, it, it's the, the trepidation of war, you know, the, 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 the trepidation that anyone would feel in war, but Ted Williams, in the, in the height of his career, during his career, is sent off to war, and so I, I didn't get that. I wasn't able to pull that information from that poem, so I'm not able, I just, that is not something that works for me on a regular basis. And so it was the same thing for this song, but that lyric teach your children well was just what stuck with me through, uh, uh, through preparing for this sermon. And 
because it speaks to our responsibility, not only as parents of children in, in a, a modern world uh, from talking about day-to-day -day things, right? I mean, we're supposed to teach our children how to tie their shoes, how to use the bathroom, and so that's, it happened. We, we still are to teach our children these things, but more than that, as Christians, we have that responsibility, right? We have the responsibility to bring our children up in our faith. Because if we don't, right, if we don't do that, if, we're, if we don't do some specific things, if we don't make sure that it's somehow ingrained in their, in their lives, they could lose it or worse yet not have it at all. And, and the, the scripture for this morning from Deuteronomy speaks specifically as to the importance and, and just how you should teach your children. And, and so that's what the message is about this morning, sort of how we teach our children. And it's important. Some of these things, no, not some of them, all of them, if you didn't realize it in the midst of, of talking about how to teach our children well, our faith, uh, you, you'll just sort of do one of those, the, it's, it's popular online, face palm, where you just plant your head in your face. And it's like, how did I get that before? Right? I mean, that these are very obvious things, but if we don't mention them, we can sort of lose them. And as I was preparing this week, I was reading this book called Revival. It's written by a United, a United Methodist pastor by the name of Adam Hamilton. And he traveled through, uh, through England uh, learning about the Wesleys. Of course, the Wesleys being the, uh, the family of United Methodism. There are four important people that I'm going to talk about this morning. There is Susanna and there is Samuel. Those are the parents to Charles and John. Charles is, of course, a prolific hymn writer. If you look through our hymnal uh, and you look at all the different people who wrote the different hymns, Charles, Charles Wesley's name is on just tons of them. And then John. John was a, a Church of England priest who, uh, who decided that there was, you know, there was a, a need for a revival in the church, and so he decided to meet with people in, in homes across the English countryside and then began the Methodist movement that leads us here today. And they didn't get to that point. They didn't get to be the most, one of the most prominent families in, in the history of Christendom by accident. No, they did specific things, right, to become that family, to make sure that, that their faith was passed down, not only from them to their children, but from them outward into the world. So that's why this is so important. And, and as I was reading through uh, one chapter of this book, there were three things that I noticed that were important to, uh, to teaching your children well. And, and the reason, I'm uh, sorry, the additional reason, this is important, is because when we teach our children, our children then can take their faith and, yes, pass it on to their children, but pass it on to the world around them because, and this is a pitfall we have to watch out for. When we talk about this, teaching our children, we talk about the importance of family. Family is certainly important, but we shouldn't be so worried about our family as to neglect the mission of the church, which is to make disciples of all. So that's one pitfall, and I thought I'd mention it. But there are three things that I noticed reading about the Wesleys that can help us teach our children well. The first of which is don't be too busy or unhelpfully busy. 
Now, as we talk about back to school, we start to talk about how busy we think our lives are going to get, right? I mean, fall is, is upon us. There are so many activities that we've got planned. There are so many uh, civic groups that we're involved with that, that have gotten back from their summer vacations and are starting to ramp up and, and, and have meetings and do things. It's, it's getting to be a busy time of year, and that is certainly not, not a dangerous thing in and of itself. However, we can become unhelpfully busy. Right? I mean, and that was the problem. It may not be blatantly obvious when we look at the book of Revelation, but that was the problem that the churches in the book of Revelation that led them, uh, led Jesus to say that they were being lukewarm. And Jesus was going to, just like tepid room temperature water, spit them out of his mouth. They were lukewarm because they were busy doing things, but not growing in their faith. They were busying themselves with the wrong things, right? And that's, like I said, in our lives, that's easy enough to do. And especially when we talk about our children and back to school and, and all of the different, different activities that there are for them. Like, for instance, I mean, we're getting ready to start the fall sports season, right? I mean, I know football has already started. Cross country is getting ready to ramp up. You know, there are all of these things that are uh, starting that can lead us to be busy. And then there are the fall soccer leagues that are coming up. And some leagues meet on Saturday, some leagues meet on Sunday. That's, and when they meet on Sunday, sometimes we have to make that decision. You know, which, which is the most important? What are we going to make sure is the, the thing to do? And we're so busy, we can't, we can't not let our children do this because these are important experiences for them to have later on in life. And and certainly my goal this morning is to not talk out about uh, fall sports leagues and how we compete, how they tend to compete with our uh, lives as a community of faith. But it's certainly something to think about because all of these things add up to us being busy. We just need to make sure that they're not making us unhelpfully busy. And that idea was very important to the Wesleys. Part of the uh, part of the reason that John saw the need, John Wesley saw the need for uh, deeper spiritual development was because the churches were busy. They did things, right? I mean, there were activities to do in, in the communities. There, I mean, this is what 16th century, 16th and 17th century England. I mean, the church was ingrained into the life of the community, just not necessarily uh, helpfully so all the time. The things that, that uh, are, are easiest for us to come to the front of our mind weren't necessarily the most important. And as I talked about a couple weeks ago, the main thing, the gospel of Jesus Christ and its, and its impact on our lives, ceased being the main thing. And so John starts the Methodist movement by, by uh, getting people involved in spiritual community together and asking each other, how goes it with your soul? You know, checking in spiritually. How are we developing? That's certainly we can be busy with things. And certainly as we are busy with these things, sporting events, uh, civic groups, and the like, as we are busy with these things, we are, it's certainly important for us to be a witness through our lives, correct? We're supposed to be living as examples of, uh, and, and 
reminders of Christ's presence in this world. That's how we are to operate, and that's certainly important. But we also need to make sure that we are making the main thing the main thing, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ and its presence in our lives. So the Wesleys believed it was important to, yes, be involved and be the church out of the world, but to make sure that we weren't busying ourselves with things that weren't the main thing. So we have to make sure in our lives that we are, uh, that we are not too busy as to be unhelpful to our spirits, to our development as people of faith. And then second, we need to be intentional about, uh, about our faith development, especially the faith development of our children. And when we talk about this, we need to go to the example of the life of Susanna Wesley. Uh, Susanna Wesley was uh, a, a, an amazing woman, and just to show you how amazing she was, I wanted to take a bit of uh, an excerpt from a letter that she wrote to her husband. Now, Susanna began to teach uh, in her community, and there would be people who enjoyed her teaching and preaching, and, and more and more people would come to hear her teach and preach, and it got so much that the, uh, the men in the community got worried because, of course, according to the New Testament church, women aren't supposed to teach and have that sort of level of authority in, uh, in people's lives, according, if we, if we take for the letter, the words of Paul in the New Testament. But Susanna was teaching and preaching and being effective at it and, and reaching very many people with the gospel of Christ. Well, those men went and talked to Samuel. Samuel, her husband. And Samuel sort of found common cause with these guys. And so he wrote Susanna a letter to tell her, you know what, we, maybe you need to, you can see how people are upset at this. So maybe you should stop teaching. Don't you think that'd be a good idea? Something to that effect. Susanna wrote this back in return. She says, if you do, after all, think it fit to dissolve this assembly, do not tell me that you desire me to do it, for that will not satisfy my conscience. But send me your positive command in such full and express terms as may absolve me from all guilt and punishment for neglecting this opportunity of doing good, when you and I shall appear before the great and awful tribunal of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, you had better make sure that you tell me definitively that I should not do this, so that when I stand before the great and awful judgment of Jesus Christ, he won't find me unfit because I didn't do this good, because I chose not to do this good. You better tell me that I am forbidden. I mean, that was... After that, Samuel never brought it up again really really put uh, him in her place, but she took that opportunity to, good, uh, to do good and wasn't going to let it slip through her fingers. That's the sort of woman, very, very outspoken, very on fire. On fire, that's a term we like to use, on fire for Christ. No, she was filled and took advantage of the presence of the Holy Spirit in her life. Now, Susanna was also head of their household when it came to teaching their children. And it was pretty amazing to read. She was extremely intentional. What she did was she spent an hour with each of her children every week. She would sit down for an hour and talk to them 
about their faith. Ask them something to the effect of how goes it with your soul. We wonder where John got the idea, right? How goes it with your soul? Talk to them about their, their hopes and their dreams and would, would foster the, their spiritual growth in that way. I mean, it was, can you imagine? How? I'm not going to ask for a, a, a raising of the hands, but do we do that today? Have we, have we considered how being that intentional could leave such a lasting, a long-lasting impact on the lives of our children. Because yeah, this is the thing. If we would fail to do this, if we fail to be intentional about developing the, the faith of our children, not only is it possible that they won't uh, take on our faith, that they, they won't learn our faith, but certainly they are more susceptible to learning a different way. As parents, we know the responsibility given to us by our spiritual forefathers in the, in the Old Testament, but as we see throughout the Bible time and time again, it is our responsibility to do this. If we do not, uh, if we are not intentional about developing the faith of our children, I would say that not only, uh, just like Susanna was telling Samuel about uh, being able to stand before the great and awful tribunal of our Lord and Jesus Christ, if we're not intentional, will we be able to stand there and, and take the heat? No pun intended. We need to make sure that we are not too busy or unhelpfully busy, and we need to be intentional about developing our faith. Not only our faith, but the faith of our children. And then... Number three, we need to persevere. We need to persevere because life is hard. Not only is life just generally hard, it's hard to, well, you need to be intentional about making sure that you have time in each day, that you have a, a, a schedule, a routine worked out in your home so that you have that faith being developed in the life of your family, but you need to also persevere because it can be tough. You know, I don't want to break any news this morning, but sometimes the relationship between a parent and a, a child, a parent and a youth, can be tense, right? It can be rough. Teenagers can be moody. Not that I would know having one in my house right now, but... The, these, these relationships, they take intentionality just to make sure that you aren't, uh, that you aren't losing contact with them in general. But you know, having to fight with them and work with them on developing their faith can be hard. And when these things get hard, sometimes it's easy to just say, okay, you know what, I'm going to make sure they're fed. I'm going to make sure there's a roof over their table. And, and you know, hopefully things will get better. Hopefully that will, you know, things will work out for them. That's not really how it works. It takes perseverance. We need to be able to work through and work beyond all of the, the troubles, the setbacks, the trials that can come along and take us off of, uh, take us off track. That can take us from, from being intentional about our children's faith development to 
you know, getting to the point where we say, you know, I'm done. I, you know, I can't do it anymore. We need to persevere beyond that. And see, all of this, we can't be, you know, not unhelpfully busy, right? And we can't be intentional. We can't persevere without one thing. Without the presence of the Holy Spirit in our family, around our family, among our family constantly. So this all has to be undergirded with prayer and a personal connection to the God we're trying to pass on to our children so that we can teach our children well. And as a close, I wanted to bring up another song from the, I believe the 70s, it may be late 60s, but uh, it's a song by a man by the name of Harry Chapin. Now I'm not all that familiar with the music of Harry Chapin. I'm not sure if this is his one and only hit, but some of you know what song I'm probably going to talk about. Harry Chapin wrote a song, sang a song called Cats in the Cradle. Of course, I mean, that's every, that as a father, I can speak personally as a father, there's not a time that when I was going through, when I was uh, studying through seminary and working full-time in a church, that that song didn't ring through my mind every now and then. I got stuff to do. Talk about, talk about being unhelpfully busy. I mean, that's, that's a, it, as a father, that song hits me, you know, right in the feels. Right in the feels. You know, it's t- a child arrived just the other day. He came into the world in the usual way, but there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away, and he was talking before I knew it. And as he grew, he said, I'm going to be like you, Dad. You know I'm going to be like you. And the catch and the cradle, you know, it's all that. Uh, it's very, like I said, hits you right in the feels. And eventually the song carries on after the father being unhelpfully busy and the son all along saying, I'm going to be like you. Because as hard as we try, as hard as we work against these forces, our children are going to be like us in at least one or two ways, if not more than that. And so these things, making sure we are not too busy or unhelpfully busy, being intentional and persevering, these things are important because if they're not important in our lives, they're certainly going to be less important, if not unimportant or non-existent in the lives of our children. The last verse, after the the father has worked his life and he's grown up and, and his son has grown up and married and, and have, had children of his own. The father's looking back and the last verse, I've long since retired. My son's moved away. I called him up just the other day. I said, I'd like to see you if you don't mind. He said, I'd love to, Dad, if I could find the time. You see, my new job's a hassle and the kids have the flu, but it's sure nice talking to you, Dad. It's sure nice talking to you. And as I hung up the phone, it had occurred to me, he'd grown up just like me. Even if you don't know the song, those words should certainly strike a chord for us at one point. It is our responsibility that our faith is passed along from generation to generation in the life of the community of faith, because if you, if you remember to your uh, baptismal vows, 
that you take when, when your child is baptized. Not only do the parents agree to raise the child, but also the congregation agrees to take responsibility and, and help that child be raised in the faith. This is an important thing. It is our responsibility to make sure that our children are taught well. And when we don't, and if it's not important for us, our children may very well grow up just like me, just like us. So as the school year progresses and as life continues on in its hurried pace, let us not forget and let us pray to God that we can keep ourselves helpfully busy, that we can be intentional about developing our faith and that we can persevere and praying that he will be with us to do it all. Amen. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.